0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, brothers and sisters, hello and welcome to the afro Lucian, the show that takes a deep dive into the life and work of artisans and creatives of the African diaspora. I am Jasmine Renee, and today the topic is theater, one that's near and dear to my heart. And we are honored to have Marcia Pendleton with us today. She and I will be in conversation about her career and her life, and at the end, we'll have a quick little giveaway. So be sure and listen all the way through for those details. It's the Afrolution, and now you know. The Afrolution is sponsored by My Creative Spirit. Log on to MyCreativeSpirit.net. For classes, workshops, and other fun activities. www.mycreativespirit.net. The AfroLution is sponsored by Lavender Rose, home of luxury beauty and skincare products. That's www.lavender, Rose.com. It's the AfroLution, and now you know. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I have Miss Marcia Pendleton, founder and president of Walk Tall Girl Productions and host of Backstage Stories on New York's WBAI radio. Walk Tall Girl Productions is a boutique marketing audience development and group sales agency for the performing arts with a special emphasis placed on theater. Founded in 2000, The mission of the New York-based company is to make the arts accessible to the widest possible audience. And I got that information directly from WBAI's website. Welcome, Marcia, and thank you so much for the opportunity to speak with you. How are you today?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you for inviting me. I'm very excited to be here.
0: So Marcia, you are such a busy sister. Talk to us about what you're working on currently.
1: What I'm working on currently, a production that is going to be, that has been filmed uh, for virtual uh, content. It is The Glorious World of Crowns, Kinks, and Curls. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in the tradition of Intasaki Shange's For color Girls Who've Considered Suicide When the Rainbow Is Enough. And it is about Black women and our hair. It is at once personal and professional. I am also working with a Broadway-bound production. Its theater was announced, I think, two weeks ago. It is called Thoughts of a Colored Man, and that is by Kenan Scott II. Right. And it is going to be directed by Steve H. Broadnax Third. Right. I have to go back and say that uh, The Glorious World of Crown, Kinks, and Curls is written by Kelly Goff, and it is directed by Bianca Laverne Jones. Okay. I've also entered into a... Uh, agreements with two major theater companies, uh, one that also has a Broadway house. uh, That's the Manhattan Theater Club. I have a 10-year relationship with them and also the Vineyard Theater. I have a three or four relationship with them Mm -hmm. and I am on board with them for the entire season in order to assist them with fulfilling EDI concerns, uh, equity, diversity, and and inclusion.
0: You were talking about your relationship with the Manhattan Theater Club.
1: Okay, uh, EDI, uh, EDI concerns, uh, equity, diversity, and inclusion. So. I am working with them and the Vineyard Theater for the entire season, as opposed to being brought on as a consultant, an audience development consultant for the plays that are that reflect the African diaspora. So it's the entire season okay. because we as a people we're just not interested in our stories. Of course, that is our focus. Um, But we're interested in all kinds of stories. If you're interested in theater, you're interested in in seeing lots of things that have to do with our common human experience. So, and one other thing, it's a Broadway-bound production. It is called Paradise Square, and it takes place, it is set in 1863. It's set in Lower Manhattan in a place that was called Five Points, and it is about a community of, of free Black people as well as people who have escaped slavery and mm-hmm. Irish immigrants, and how they all lived together and worked together and intermarried, and that piece of of racial harmony came to a deadly halt with the 1863 draft Mm -hmm. by President Abraham Lincoln because Mm -hmm. the Union troops were getting their butts kicked (laughs) (laughs) by the Confederacy. And he instituted a draft and the wealthy could get away with not being in the draft if they paid $300, which was uh, at least a year's salary at that point in time. And also formerly enslaved Africans were taking jobs of Irish immigrants. So people were very upset and they were pushed by what we would call far right, people on the far right. Right. Uh, So it turned into a huge riot Uh, it was called the new york draft riots and it was one one of the most deadly events in the united states history Uh, but in the heart of the story is a black woman who is an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. and she is the heart and soul of the community so this sister is taking center stage. What made me say yes to this was not only the story, but the fact that Bill T. Jones is doing the choreography. Oh. And Marcus Gardley, along with us, um, Christina Anderson have uh, collaborated on the book, along with uh, someone else by the name of Larry Kerwin. Okay. So it's, it's very exciting. There's some other things going on, but that's what I can share with you right now.
0: Right now. Well, that's a lot. That's Mm -hmm. a lot going on. And close to the end of the broadcast, I would like for you to give us that information on um, how we can get tickets because I know these are virtual events, how we can get tickets for the kink show.
1: Okay. Absolutely.
0: All right. So now talk to us. How long have you been doing this?
1: I started doing this kind of work without really understanding that (laughs) I was doing this kind of work. Okay. Uh, I started in 1988. Okay. I was working for a small hole-in-the-wall theater company (laughs) on South 4th Street Mm -hmm. in Philadelphia. It was called Theater Center Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. It seated 125 people. Okay. It was definitely a Black or a storefront theater Mm -hmm. institution. And the founder and artistic director, Albert Benswee Horshorn, Mm -hmm. was a Holocaust survivor. He was a Holocaust survivor. Mm -hmm. And he really and truly believed in the power of different people coming together in order to to make theater. So that's how I got my start I thought that I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to be on stage. Mm -hmm. And that was true for a long period of time. And I have recently begun to rediscover that part of myself. But I also understood that I enjoyed clearing the path for artists. Okay. So, When I started, I did not know the difference between a press release or a public service announcement, but I quickly learned. I also quickly learned the value of establishing relationships with people because Theater Center Philadelphia had no money, and we were dependent upon the press, those those relationships in the media in order to promote the shows to a wider audience. So that's where I learned the value of that. And prior to that, when I worked in the hotel industry, I learned that if we don't give great service to the customers, then you don't have any customers. So I learned the value of that. And before that, I worked the, almost a decade as a social worker, and that's where I learned the value of listening, being able to listen to people, but also the value of being able to interview people because I had to do what was called social histories. Right. So I had to get information from people that they did not necessarily want to give. Exactly. So I learned how to do that and to make people feel comfortable. So I have been preparing for this moment in my life, which started over 30 years ago. And looking back, I recognize now that each moment was preparing each moment. Then was preparing me for this moment. Now
0: this moment now, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. And that's a lot. And you wouldn't think of the job you had as a social worker being a stair step to this moment, but it, had, it was.
1: It was, it absolutely was. My undergraduate degree is in sociology. And please believe me that my studies in sociology definitely helped me in terms of being aware of the differences in different communities and different cultures and that I needed to be sensitive to that and also to find out as much as I could when dealing with different people from different places because we all communicate in different ways and learning what those ways were as one of the things, or some of the things that I learned as a social major with a minor in community mental health services and English.
0: And you went. You got your grad degree at um, University of Maryland College Park. Now, what's that in?
1: My MFA is in theater management. Okay. Okay. Um, I was one of the last graduates out of that program. That program no longer exists at the University of Maryland College Park. Okay. I could have gone and gotten an MA in theater management, but I found out that if I had an MFA, a terminal degree, yeah. then I could teach and then I would be eligible for tenure track positions. Right. I've never done that with the MFA. I do have some teaching experience, but uh, that's why I got the MFA. And in getting the MFA, because I did not have a degree in theater, I had to take some courses that I didn't think that I would have to take, like the theater history course. Yeah, yeah. I took a year in theater history, which was one of the best courses that I have ever taken. Really? It allowed me to understand that art is not created in a vacuum. Thank you. And because we had to understand the political, the social, the cultural, the historical, the economic context of the era. That also helped me in my development as a marketer because I also look at those things. I was speaking to a potential client yesterday. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I said was, is there any way that I can get the history of the Black people who moved into this area Uh because I had no clue that there was a large Black community in the Berkshires. Right, No clue. I found that out when I was headed towards the Williamstown uh, Theater Festival
0: Uh
1: uh, two years ago, and the bus stopped in a place called Pittsfield, which is about 20 minutes away from Williamstown, and every Black person on the bus, except me, got off at Pittsfield. (laughs)
0: Okay.
1: And I was like, what's going on? Oh, they live here. There's a huge community here in Pittsfield, and I want to know how they got there and why they're there and their descendants. So I really wanted to find out what was going on with this community historically and economically and culturally. So I could begin to plan, to create a strategic plan for the arts organization that I will be working with. It it all started there and, Having that course, that year-long course in theater history taught me that.
0: Taught you that. Mm -hmm. I may have you come at some point and talk to my students about the importance of theater history because they don't get it. They just think it's boring. It's just a lot of reading, which it is, Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of work. But I tell them, you will never understand where these plays fit into the big circle unless you understand what was going on in the world.
1: Absolutely. That
0: made people write these plays or produce these works that they were producing. You know, so yeah, I'm glad to know that theater history served you like that. Because that's one of my quotes well. that served me well. Definitely. So we're gonna switch gears just a little. I met you as a part of the Black Theater Network some years ago. <laughs> you won't reveal how many. Uh how long have you been a member of Black Theater Network approximately? And What does that organization mean to you?
1: I believe I became a student member of BTN back in 94, I think, 94 or 95. And I continued until I graduated. Right. And then there was a period of what I call the lost years. (laughs) (laughs) And... When I found myself in New York, I was working on a project, and it was giving me so much grief, and I was at the um, National Black Theater Festival to promote it, and I began to see people coming out of a conference room Mm -hmm. that I knew, and I knew that I knew them from BTN, and... I walked into the room and I think I burst into tears because I understood that I was back with my tribe, that people knew my struggle and that I did not have to stand on my head or hide anything that I was feeling at that point in time because people in that room knew they knew what I was going through. And I believe that was somewhere around 2000, uh, 99, 2000, mm-hmm. and I reconnected. And I know when I went to a Black theater network, when we were in St. Louis, Right. when we were in St. Louis, I made the decision when we were in St. Louis for to start Walk Tall Girl Productions. Okay. Because I knew that I was not happy at the institution where I had begun to work in New York. Right. Um, myself and that institution, we are family today. We are absolutely family, but I knew that that wasn't the right fit. But I also knew in in looking back that being at that institution gave me the time to put down some roots in New York Uh so I could begin this journey called Walk Tall Girl Productions. Because at BTN, I was listening to people deliver papers and share experiences that they were very passionate about. And I was like, I'm not passionate about anything that I'm doing right through here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, so when I got back to New York, I had a conversation with uh, the late Tunde Samuels. Yeah. And he said to me, like Mikkel uh, Pinkney had said to me um, when I graduated from the uh, University of Maryland, why don't you begin your own business? Right. And I said, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay my rent. And Tunde said to me, and please forgive this, he said, you're a smart woman. Are you gonna be, uh, you will always be able to pay your rent. He didn't say that I would always be able to pay it on time, but he (laughs) said, I would always be able to pay my rent. So he said, are you gonna be a punk about this or what? And I said, excuse me? And he said, you heard me. Okay. And I said, okay. okay. And when I got back to New York, I submitted my uh, resignation and became uh, an entrepreneur. Uh, Walk Tall Girl Productions was born. Mm-hmm. I knew that at the end of, I gave them a month um, notice and at the end of that month, I knew how I was going to take care of myself for the rest of the year. And I never looked back, never, looked, never back. looked back. And that's what BTN gave yes. to me.
0: Yes. Now, um, and I full disclosure, audience, uh, Marcia is one of our board members. And because of her contributions and her work, we've had access to some wonderful experiences and wonderful memorabilia, posters from plays, tickets to shows that we probably couldn't have gotten otherwise, and access to some very uh, notable artists, which brings me to my next question. Who? I know it's a lot of them, but who are some of the notable artists and performers that you worked with?
1: Oh my, wow. First person out of my mouth is August Wilson. Definitely. Jeffrey Wright, Ruben Santiago Hudson. Yeah. Um, let me see, who else? Felicia um, Rashad, Debbie Allen, okay. uh, Anika Noni Rose, James Earl Jones. They were all part of that breakthrough. Oh, and Giancarlo Esposito. Right. Uh, they were all part of that uh, cast, that all-Black cast that did Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. They
0: were.
1: Um, also, Blair Underwood. Oh, my goodness. Um, who else? Sonal Lathan. Wow. Um. Let me see. Uh, there were so many people that, I, oh, Susan Laurie Parks.
0: Yay. Nottage.
1: These are all Pulitzer Prize winners. Yeah, right. Never in my wildest dreams that I did I think that I was going to be able to, to work with folks like this. Stephen McKinley Henderson. It's just so many fabulous people. That I have been able to to work with it's yes. it's just been amazing. Liesl Tommy, uh, Lupita Nyong'o, um, uh, Jocelyn Bio, uh-huh. uh for Schoolgirls of the African Mean Girls play Sahima Ali. Um, it's it's been a journey. We could be here all day with me naming folks. <laughs>
0: And then, of course, you made Andre De Shields accessible to us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, um, oh, my God, she wrote the play, Detroit, the Detroit play.
1: Oh, Dominique Moriso. Yeah. Yes, Dominique Moriso, who's going to have two plays on Broadway when Broadway comes back. She wrote the book for Ain't You Proud? The Life and Times of the Temptations. Right. And then the Manhattan Theater Club has placed Skeleton Crew, on Broadway. So, and Ruben Santiago Hudson will direct it. Ruben Santiago Hudson's um, Lackawanna Blues is yeah. also going to be on Broadway. Okay. This, this upcoming season. He is an artistic advisor to the Manhattan Theater Club. So Dominique is partnering with Ruben again. They have partnered several times in terms of him directing her work. So it's very, very exciting. Well, if if they are
0: looking for someone to play Faye, (laughs) that you know I I think I could help them (laughs) out with that and you know note to self drop a note to Ruben Santiago Hudson because he's a nice man Mm -hmm. he's a very nice gentleman you know just a very nice man and accessible which Mm -hmm. is what I like about him he's very accessible so this is we're gonna switch gears again just a hair Mm -hmm. um when did you know that you had to do this? You kind of answered this a little bit, but when did you know that you had to produce? Because you do a lot of production type work and do this audience development work.
1: I knew that I had to be a part of the arts community. Mm-hmm. I knew that from when I was a child. Yeah. I knew that I knew that that's where I wanted to be.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Of course, like many uh, young people, I thought that my calling was to be a performer. And maybe it was, you know, maybe it was at at that point in time. But I did not have the kind of support, the family support, in order to do that. Uh, I had uh, a mother and her husband who had those good government jobs. I hear you. My mother worked for the federal government Mm -hmm. uh, for almost 25 years. Her husband worked for the post office forever. And when he retired from the post office, he started working for the school district. Yep. So they had those government, those civil service jobs. Yep. And could retire I'm still working because I cannot retire. At this Tell point. me about it, and, and really don't want to, yeah. but they did not get the arts thing yeah. until I was well into it. My mother, my mother saw me at an event. It was her birthday. Mm-hmm. It was the final performance of Joe Turner's Come and Gone at the Philadelphia Drama Guild. And an organization was doing, used the production as an event and I set it up for them. Mm -hmm. And I was working the room and she saw how everything flowed and what I was doing and how packed the theater was and how many black folks were there. And she knew that I was partially responsible for that. And she never asked me again what I did. She saw it, she saw it. it. And that was back in the early nineties. And even when she was suffering from uh, dementia, she was in the hospital and the nurse came in and my sister and I were sitting there. And she she said to the nurse, my daughter works on Broadway. Wow. She's worked on a lot of Broadway shows. Wow. And I took her to her, what turned out to be her last show. Mm -hmm. It was the first national tour of Motown the Musical. And she saw that the year before she died. And she, my sister told me, mom talked about that show. Forever, she talked about that show for weeks. She remembered that.
0: <laughs> yeah, she, yeah. She.
1: Yeah. So the the arts unlocked something in my mother they that did. she could remember.
0: They did.
1: Yeah. So so that's what happened.
0: Yeah. We're going to take a brief thirty second pause for the cause, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. It's the Afro Lucian, and now you know. Welcome back. It's the afro Lucian, and now you know. So talk to me a bit more about Walk Tall Girl Productions. What's a day in your life like?
1: Well, it has changed since the beginning of the the pandemic. Yes. Initially, there wasn't much going on at the top of the pandemic. Organizations needed to find out how they were going to continue to create content in the absence of being able to produce live performance. Mm-hmm. And when people figured that out, my business picked up. Right. When a typical day now is spent in, in Zoom meetings. Right. I try to keep those to a minimum, but somehow that does not always work. Yeah, I do a lot of communications with folks via email, via text, and good old-fashioned phone calls, uh, doing research in terms of who would like to receive the information regarding any of the productions that... I'm working with whether it's virtual or whether it's going to be live somewhere down the line mm-hmm. on Mondays. I like to keep Mondays open because that's the day when I do my, I do my e-newsletter. Okay. It started off as something to for, for my clients because what I noticed was I was sending out a lot of information mm-hmm. and people weren't paying attention to it. Uh, it, it was, here's something else from, from and Walk Talk Girl Productions, maybe. So someone suggested to me that I create a newsletter. Okay. And I did create a newsletter and I found out that that worked, but I also began to search for content. Okay. So people have started to look at the newsletter as a place where they can get information about what Black folks are doing in theater and beyond because I also include information when I can get it about music, about literary, whatever we're doing it to be creative as as Black folks, then that's what goes into the newsletter. Mm-hmm. Another part of my day is now concerned with getting ready for the, the radio show. Right. Uh, do I have to do a pre-talk, uh, do I have to send questions, uh, the promotional piece that I have to do that that gets aired, uh, creating the run of show, making sure that all the links are, are working in terms of the Zoom room, uh, setting up people for future dates in terms of programming, thinking of how I can create packages that make sense for, for people, yeah. and making it a single subject. Right. I may have two or three different guests, but we're focused in a specific area. Right. Right. So taking time to, to figure that out. And also, always looking, always looking for places and people to connect with, to connect with me personally, but also to connect with my clients uh, in order to collaborate. So that's how I spend a lot of the the time. Since we have been in this pandemic, Mm -hmm. I found that I'm okay with Zoom and doing things here at my desk right. as opposed to getting dressed and going to a meeting in the city. Yep. I live in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. It takes at least an hour for me to get to Midtown, mm-hmm. uh, whether I'm on the train, the subway, or if I'm in the car.
0: Yeah.
1: It's a half a day. Yeah. It's a half a day, Mm. but I get much more done. I get much more done. I get a chance to work on many more uh, projects than just figuring out how Tuesday afternoon is going to go because I have a meeting at one o'clock. So I got to get prepared for the meeting. I got to get dressed. I got to, you know, blah, 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 blah. So I don't miss that.
0: Uh, No. I, I just know you don't. Has the traffic, has the commuting, is it still tight in New York as always? Or has it decreased just a little bit because of the pandemic?
1: It has decreased because of the pandemic. I know that I have not been in the city since September. Oh, wow. I have not been in the city since September and I did not get on the subway. I I took a car. I said, I got, I have $2. I took a car. Uh, because I was not getting on the subway. Even though that they were clean being cleaned nightly, I was just like, no, I'm I'm not doing it. Nope. Um, I have been on buses recently
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they are not crowded. Okay. But the, the bottom line is the last time I took a bus from downtown Brooklyn to my house, it was crowded people were too close for me. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: it, it, it was just too, people were just too close for me. And I'm just like, mm, no, if I can't walk it, if I can't um, take a car, then I am likely not to do it. Yeah. So, but everything has, you know, in terms of transportation, has opened up. Okay. And during the summer, you could ride the buses for free.
0: Oh, okay, okay.
1: That ended at the end of August. That
0: yeah, ended in August, right? Yeah,
1: right. That, it, at the end of August, it was no more. But all summer long, uh, on especially on the weekends, you could ride transportation for free.
0: Yeah, they were just trying to keep it, keep keep. They moving. tried to
1: keep it moving.
0: Keep it moving. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, Marcia, we as people of African descent must pay tribute to our ancestors and recognize. Whose shoulders we stand on. For instance, I stand on the shoulders of Hattie McDaniel, Rose McClendon, and Henrietta Edmonds. Whose shoulders are you, Marcia, standing on?
1: I'm standing on the shoulders of John E. Allen Jr., the founder of Freedom Theater. Okay. I am standing on the shoulders of, now this. This person is still very much alive and well, Mickey Shepard. She is the one that opened the door to audience development in the African-American community. Mm -hmm. I also stand on the shoulders of my mother because without her, number one, I wouldn't be here. And number two... She encouraged education because she said that is something that no one can take away from you if you have an education. I am standing on the shoulders of all of my ancestors who were able to obtain degrees, college degrees in the 1920s. I am not first generation college, uh, college graduate. I'm like fourth generation. My my nephew is the fifth. So education is really and truly important. And I stand on the shoulders of anybody who has made a way for me in terms of working in black theater.
0: Most definitely, most definitely. Um, What is the one common myth about the business side of theater that you want to clear up? And I ask this because I'm always getting these misnomers and myths about the performance side of theater, that it's easy, that you're just pretending to be somebody else. And I tell people it's not half as easy as it may look. If it were that easy, I would be doing that full-time professionally, and I wouldn't be going from gig to gig to gig. So on the business side of theater, what's one common myth that you want to clear up?
1: Like you, that it's easy, that anybody <laughs> can do it. Yeah. Not not everybody can do this work. No, no. It's, it is so labor-intensive. Yeah. There are so many areas, especially if you are Black and you are brought into a white space to do the work, because people think that they know our community. Yeah. And I, one of my things is, I always want to say, but I do not say it, if you think you know, then why did you hire me? Or having people uh, who do the work at at predominantly white agencies who, who are in marketing, Uh, and and advertising. Well, if you can do uh, this multicultural marketing, then how come you can't take that deeper dive into the community that I have? I have been on the ground for a long time. I have been on the ground for a long time and I have gone to programs and events even when I didn't Feel like it because I knew that I needed to be there in order to connect with somebody, yes, with somebody, yes. and to do that kind of work that I know that you did not do, then know that no, you can't do what I do.
0: Exactly.
1: I've sat outside in the heat um, at fairs, uh-huh. uh, street festivals, wow. handing out information, talking to people about productions. And people may not know my name, but they'll remember some part of my company name and say, walk tall, walk tall. Yeah, I know who you are. And it could be any place, but they don't have that. So if you don't have that kind of commitment, if you don't have that kind of passion, if you don't have that kind of joy in doing that work, then you cannot do what I do.
0: You can't do it. You're right. And then that's a good lead in for my next question. What advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a career in theater production and audience development?
1: I would say that they need to have a passion for it. That if they have any opportunities as if they're in school, as an undergraduate or a graduate student to obtain an internship Uh with a marketing department or a communications department in a theater company or any kind of arts organization, I would say do that. Uh And if you have your own, in in creating your own projects Uh and where you have to do, uh, be the the producer and the director and act in it and all, all of that, then do it. do it because none of it will go to waste. Right. All of that experience you will use and also ask questions, seek out people who do this kind of work and sit down with them for half hour, an hour and hours. Say, will you go have coffee with me? Do you right. have time to, to do this? I would really appreciate it. And most people will tell you yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, they will. Because the one thing that most of us love talking about is ourselves
1: mm-hmm, That's true. and what
0: it is we do, mm-hmm. what it is we do. So now is that m- moment when I want to give you the space to tell our listeners, first of all, how to connect with you and to talk more about how we can get tickets for the upcoming productions.
1: Okay. You can reach me. Uh, by email, that's Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A at walktallgirlproductions.com. Marcia at walktallgirlproductions.com. Mm-hmm. On Facebook, you can find my corporate page, Walk Tall Girl Productions. Mm-hmm. On Instagram, walktallgirl.com. And on Twitter, it's Black Theater Online, but it's spelled B-L-K-T-H-E-A-T-R and then online, Black Theater Online. That's how you can, can reach me. Okay. The project that I really and truly hope that you folks will take advantage of is The Glorious World of Crowns, Kinks, and Curls by Kelly Goff, directed by Bianca Laverne Jones, presented by Baltimore Center Stage. If you use the discount code MARCIA20, M-A-R-C-I-A 20, you can receive 20% off adult ticket prices and family prices but it is not good for senior and student rates. Okay. And you can go to centerstage.org. That's centerstage.org, and follow the prompts and to purchase your tickets.
0: Okay. Now is and that, that sure? starts?
1: I'm sorry. That starts March 25th.
0: Okay. And it
1: runs through April 18th.
0: Good. Is the show appropriate for all ages?
1: Yes, it good, is.
0: Good, 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 good. Okay, okay. And you have a LinkedIn page as well, right?
1: Yes, I do. It's Marcia, I think it's Marcia.pendleton. Right. Yeah, at LinkedIn. On mm-hmm.
0: LinkedIn, right. Okay. All right. All right, anything else you need to plug right now? or You want to plug? No, that's that's it. But uh, that's, a, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. That's a lot that you got going on. And we want all of our listeners to support these projects. And you can always hit me on my email, thejazzydiva at gmail.com if you missed any of this information. So folks, we've come to the end of this journey, but there's always more to learn and discover. For my first giveaway, I have a sage bundle and a lavender bundle. So for the first email I receive at thejazzydiva, that's T-H-E, J A Z Z I E D I B A at gmail.com, telling me the city where Marcia lives, I'll send you a nice little gift package. To keep up with the upcoming guest of Afro Lucian, visit my page at www.mycreativespirit.net. Thanks again to our esteemed guest, the lovely Marcia Pendleton. Let's give it up for Marcia, everybody. I am Jasmine Renee, until next time, create art, create theater, create love, create peace, rest in power, Queen Intazaki. This is the Afro-lution, and now you know.